So what if I told you that my best friend killed someone? But he didn't mean it. He didn't do it on purpose. It just kind of happened. And then I tried to help him cover it up, but in the process, I think I only made things worse. What would you say? Well, that's not my story, but that's the story of the movie we're talking about this week. Camera speed. Sound production, take one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Unbound Cinefem. I hope you're all having a great Sunday so far. I'm Avery, your lovely host, and I'm coming at you this week with a movie that was actually um, requested by someone, kind of my first requested movie, so thanks and shout out to Paul for um, recommending it to me. He actually reached out to me, um, asked me to cover the movie back when I did my episode with Nelly, but I kind of just had a bunch of other things to cover first. But I finally got around to it, and let me say, this movie, I'll just, I'll tell you the name of it right now. I don't know why it's a big secret, because it it shouldn't be. But this movie, um, Super Dark Times, it was... I always saw it on Netflix, right, and the cover art was interesting, but then I'd read the synopsis, and I just kind of felt like it gave me nothing. Like, it just seemed very straightforward. Like, the synopsis, okay, so the synopsis of the movie, or not the synopsis, sorry, y'all, but the summary of the movie, not the summary either. One of my, I, yeah, I mean, I guess synopsis, okay, so anyway, the synopsis of the movie is like on Netflix at least, was very straightforward, and it seemed like it kind of told you everything you needed to know. So what's the point in watching it, right? I already understand what the story is about. But so that that kind of influenced me to not watch it, like, ever. And so then um, it got recommended to me, and it finally gave me a reason to watch it. And let me say, it was a very good decision. I wish that I... I've given it an opportunity when it was back on Netflix. Um, but, oh, you know, overall, it was a good experience. I Going into it, I my expectations were kind of like, like I didn't expect to be surprised by anything, I guess, um, because the, the movie description, like I said, was just very linear. Um, it seemed like there was no type of surprises ahead. And while that's kind of true, um, there were other aspects of this movie that if you did, if you don't watch it, if you're someone like me and you don't watch it, then you're missing out. So, that being said, we'll go ahead and get into it. Super Dark Times was released September 2017. It was directed by Kevin Phillips, and it stars Owen Campbell as Zach, Charlie Tahan as Josh, and Elizabeth Cappuccino as Allison. Now, there are a lot of other characters um, in this movie, but those are the three that the story kind of revolves around. You're going to hear their names more frequently, so those are the... Those are the actors that I kind of wanted to put up, put in the spotlight. And the movie really is masked as a coming-of-age story uh, between these two childhood best friends, right? But the opening scene kind of sets the tone for the entire movie. Now, a typical coming-of-age story between teenagers, um, you it's very lighthearted. It's... Um, you know, there's funny moments in it, but but overall, the way that the way that the movie will open up, it kind of just gives you a glimpse that okay, this is going to be lighthearted with serious moments, but this character is overall going to change in the end, right? So the opening scene of this movie is um, a dead moose in the school cafeteria, right? Everyone's coming in for their work day, their school day, and they see the moose in the cafeteria. The police arrive. And this is where we actually first meet Allison. And um, we don't even meet the the two boys 
yet we just see Allison because she witnesses the moose in the school. And so the sheriff sends everybody out of the cafeteria, like all the bystanders, and um, when they close the door, the sheriff puts the moose pretty much out of its memory. Out of Well, the sheriff pretty much puts the moose out of its misery, and Allison watches it happen. And so that kind of – and, you know, there's this eerie – um, eerie type of, like, abnormal music in the background. So, overall, you kind of get the sense that, first of all, this isn't your typical t- coming-of-age story, but also there's going to be a darker type of atmosphere about it. And that then immediately cuts to the opening title sequence. And I have to say, this is probably one of my favorite um, title title sequences that I've ever seen, perhaps, um, because it does so many things at once, and it, it, it is a pan out of a TV screen, but immediately it's just like kind of like a, a staticky, um, short-wired porn tape, I think, from, you know, that's I think that's the best way that I can describe it. Um, and so shots of porn scenes are coming in and out while, you know, you have the static and the super dark times. It's just that, like, in in the, the font that they have it with. Um, and then the camera pans out and you see that it's an actual TV screen, but it's like a 90s you know, like soapbox type of type of TV, um, and that once it once it officially pans out and we get a wider shot of the TV, we see that we're in a living room, and um, the camera cuts to Charlie and Zach, and they're sitting on a couch and they're going through their yearbook and really just talking about all the girls in their school, and they're pretty much playing a game of smash or pass, right? And I just want to say that did I, have I been saying Charlie and if I've been saying Charlie y'all which I don't know if I have if I've been saying Charlie I should not be saying Charlie it's Zach and Josh so anyways um Zach and Josh are sitting there looking at their yearbook playing this little game of smash or pass with all the girls in their school and Josh is a little picky he you know he's like oh she's a blonde and I don't really do blondes and like, as if he's really getting many, many girls at this point anyways, but I'm going to leave that between him and God. So they finally, you know, come upon Allison in the yearbook, and Josh is, like, pretty much giving Zach this very detailed description of the fantasy he has um, of him and Allison, and just, and Josh, sexualizing every single girl in this yearbook, like every single one, teachers, students, like nobody is safe. Um, And I mean, Zach is just kind of like going along with it, Um, but you can tell that Josh is getting more excitement out of it. So when they get on Allison, Josh, you know, walks Zach through his entire fantasy with Allison, but Zach is just like, yeah, I don't really see her that way. Like I... I actually know her. I'm, you know, we've hung out a few times, and I actually like her. And Josh reacts, and it it gives you the idea that, okay, maybe he likes Allison too. Um, But there's, it's like two sides of the spectrum where, and it, it made me think of the Madonna whore complex, where it's like you can sit here and talk about all these, all these girls sexually, but when it gets to someone who you actually know on a personal level, you no longer desire them the way that you would, like, just like a strange, like a strange girl, you know, um, or a, a girl, like a stranger girl, <laughs> whatever. Um, so that was, that was interesting to say the least. Um, and so following that, um, they end up going on their bikes and they ride around town. And so this entire opening scene, kind of like the title, kind of like the title scene, does a lot to. I mean, it's not really an opening scene, but it it is at the same time. Anyways, um, it really does a lot for the movie itself, you know. So it establishes the friendship between 
Zach and Josh, but it also establishes the setting in terms of time and place. And so it's, you know, it's fall, it's fall time in this small town, and most of the the colors within this movie are gray, blue, um, I mean, and that's really all. I would say gray, blue, and like orange, but like a very dull orange. They're all very dull colors. Um, and it's just a very dark movie, too. There's a lot of silhouettes, a lot of shadows. Um, and so as they're riding through town, they end up going to a local convenience store. And they that's where we meet Daryl and Charlie. Charlie's in middle school. Daryl, um, the Zach and Josh have known him for a while, and um, so they end up going to the convenience store, buying, you know, some stuff, and they find, like, this squid, right? And they all try it pretty much on a dare, and so when Zach tries it, he immediately spits it out and he's like, ugh, no. But Josh is very observant in social settings, and so the way that he observes Zach and just his like, his social cues, it kind of made me wonder, okay, do you feel like you need to be in competition with Zach? Um, because he was observing him and watching him, and immediately after Zach reacted to the squid the way he did, Josh was like, okay, my, like, he was like, all right, let me try it. Um, you know, it can't, how bad can it be? And so he tried, he was like, and he just continues to chew, and he's like, it's not that bad. And... So it's just like, do you feel like you have to be the complete opposite of Zach to, like, be cooler or for people to like you more or for you to stand out? Um, and if you've ever been in, like, a like a duo friendship, maybe you understand this feeling because I know – I definitely know I have. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, no, I never relate to that because I do. I do, and I know what happens. Um, and so then Daryl, Charlie – um, Zach and Josh hang out for a little bit more, and then and they end up on this bridge. The bridge is closed off, but it's like rusty and it's it's just very like old. And the whole time that they're there, Josh is very is still very observant. But they're like, see, watching it a second time, you can just see this like spark in his eye, like just this type of emotion in his eye, and it really makes you think. Like, what are you thinking? I think that's, that's a perfect way to sum up Josh. It's kind of just like, what are you thinking? Like, what's going on in your head? Um, because of just the the way that he is in social interaction. So eventually the boys part ways, and Zach and Josh are riding their bikes, and they take a shortcut, but on the shortcut there's a group of guys, like, in a back alley, Right. And they're, you know, they're local boys, and this is another kind of, like, hint of the setting is they know all the boys there. They don't play a huge role in the movie, but they they know who the boys are because they've grown up in that town, right? Um, those boys went to school with Josh's brother, and so that's what they talk about. They they mention Josh's brother. They make fun of him for being in the Marines. Or, well, they say the Army, and Josh corrects them. But when they mention his brother, Josh's reaction is very, um, very negative, very volatile, right? He just explodes. And so, you know, the older guys are all kind of just making fun of him, his reaction, his brother, whatever. And they end up walking away. Um, but Josh won't let it go. Josh is just, you know, like cursing him out. He's, he's venting about it to Zach. And for whatever reason, Josh, like, for whatever reason, Josh takes a particular, like, attachment to one of the guys. And he has this blue hair. And, I mean, like, yes, he was a part of the group, and he was giggling and kikiing with, with the main guy who was making jokes. But, like, why don't you attack the guy who pushed you to the ground and held your head to the ground with his foot? Why aren't you talking about him? But he just, I don't know. I'm not sure. 
As they proceed to walk home, they stop outside Allison's house and they're just like marvelized at it. They're like, oh my gosh, this is Allison's house. Ah, and they're just talking about being outside her house and you know how how boys do when they fantasize about a girl that they don't necessarily even know. And then one of them yells penis, tries to play the penis game. And a light turns on in Allison's house. So it causes them to scurry away. And then they go to Zach's house. And we see this relationship that Zach and his mom have. And it's very important, this relationship, in contrast to Josh and Josh's mother. Because you don't even really see Josh's mother throughout the movie. So the scene then cuts to the next day. They're in school. And Zach is Zach's at his locker and he turns and he sees Allison and she's talking to her teacher. And you only see the back of Allison's head as she's talking and he's just watching it. And there's this like golden streak of light just hitting her from inside of a classroom. And it's a very like ethereal type of ethereal, ethereal, you know what I'm trying to say experience that he's having because he's like wow she's just so beautiful basking in this sunlight she turns around and he blushes and he looks away and then josh and daryl come up and start teasing him and then they make plans to hang out after school so they go to josh's house after school they're hanging around in the kitchen whatever and then they start to talk about josh's brother so this is the second time we're hearing about josh's brother and they're like, oh, how long has he been away? And Josh is like, I don't know, about a year or so. And they were like, oh, so that means that like his stuff is still here. And Josh is like, what stuff? And Daryl's like, I mean, his room, <laughs> like all of his belongings. And Josh is like, oh, yeah. And it's really weird how he's acting because for him to get so worked up over his brother when that kid, you know, was joking about it, which granted, you know, you're allowed to make fun of your brother and treat your brother a certain way, but like your siblings, but when somebody else does it, it's not okay. But just his reaction then and then like just being so like nonchalant in this moment was just very strange. So they end up going into Josh's brother's room and... You know, the the other two boys are, once again, like, just marveling in the fact that, like, there's naked women on the wall, there's nunchucks, and then they end up finding weed, there's a waterbed. And so it's little things that, that you notice, and I think I might have said it already, but it's the little things that you notice. Um, it's not so much in your face in terms of, okay, this is taking place in the 90s, but... You know, you have the waterbed, you have a pager, you, the the way that the TVs are, the way the video games are, the the style of the clothing they're wearing. And so it's not so much like this movie is about kids in the 90s, but it's just the 90s is very in the background. Um, and so once Daryl finds Josh's brother's weed... Uh, he's like, oh, can we, can we try some? Josh is like, no, put it back. And Daryl's like, man, he, he can't even smoke the weed. Even when he gets out of service, he can't even smoke it because he could lose his job. And Josh is like, well, just, just put it back. I'll think about it. Right. And so then it's kind of like the, he killed the mood. And I think as a way of trying to lift the mood back up and being kind of like a quote unquote good host or like to incite more excitement, Josh is like, oh, I have something cooler than that, right? He pulls out a samurai sword and he, you know, is like showing showing it off to him. And he's like, well, it's not bamboo grade, but it's better than the display swords. All right, Josh. And they suggest, oh, why don't we go and like slice up some milk cartons with it? Real, real fruit ninja style. And that's exactly what they do. They fill up some milk cartons with water and then they go out to an open field. Charlie ends up meeting them, and so they're just in this open field, swinging a sword around, right? But it's only Zach, Josh, and Charlie who are really participating in the Fruit Ninja activities. Daryl's on the side, and you see him. He's smoking what looks to be a cigarette, but it also looks like he has the bag of weed that Josh literally told him not to grab. And so it catches Zach's attention first. He sees Daryl start to cough. And he kind of like 
turns away, but in a way of like, I'm going to pretend I do not see that. And then when, when Daryl starts to cough, then Charlie's attention is brought to it. And then Josh only pay, only notices because the other two boys are looking in that direction. So Josh is like, what's going on? What is he okay? And he turns, but Zach is like, just don't pay attention to it. Like, come on, let's just keep doing this. Which, I mean, come on. You know not to do that to somebody because it's only going to make them more curious. And so that's exactly what happened. And when Josh turns around, he sees Daryl smoking and he's like, is that my brother's weed? And Daryl's like, no, it's a cigarette. And so it causes this big commotion where Zach's like, I told you not to touch my brother's weed. And Daryl is like feeling guilty, but also like he... Um, like he's feeling like a villain, right? And so he's trying to take all of the attention off of him. And he's like, come on guys, let's just do a little fruit, fruit ninja action. He didn't actually say that, but just, just go along with it. And so, um, but, but Josh is still stuck on it. And he's like, no, give me my brother's weed back. And he's like, it's not a big deal. Whatever, whatever. Daryl still has the sword in his, in his hand. And so Zach tries to help Josh also just kind of just try to get the weed back. But Daryl sw- tries to swing the sword, and Zach's like, whoa, bro, like, chill out. You can't just swing that thing around. And so somehow it ends up getting dropped, and um, they end up, like, actually fighting, tackling each other to the ground. Not Zach, but Josh and Daryl end up tackling each other to the ground. And they're, you know, they're punching each other, whatever. But Charlie and Zach end up breaking it up. And Daryl waddles away and he just starts screaming like a toddler. Like he is having a straight up toddler moment. And we've all met a Daryl. We have all met a Daryl because he is a very like, he has a terrible attitude in terms of I want excitement and I want it now. I don't care how much trouble it's going to get us into. I don't care, um, you know, like what it costs. Like I just want to have fun. But it's also he has he has the um, attitude of a toddler, like I already said. So if he doesn't get what he wants, he's going to throw a temper tantrum. And that's exactly what's happening now. He's throwing a temper tantrum. And so he's screaming and he might as well throw himself on the floor and start kicking his feet in the air. Tears coming out of his eyes because that's what I thought was going to happen next. And so then Zach is still annoyed and um, or not Zach. No. And so Josh is still annoyed at Daryl and he ends up screaming at him saying something, something, something. That's why you live in a duplex. First of all, living in a duplex is not that bad, y'all. Let's not be classist, Josh, okay? But that sets Daryl off and Daryl comes back and he just punches Zach. He just starts throwing punches. And so, or why do I keep saying Zach? And that just throws Daryl off. So Daryl comes back and he just starts throwing punches at Josh. And um, so Josh ends up grabbing the sword off of the ground. For what reason? I don't know. Like, what did you think was, what did you, what were you trying to accomplish by that? And so he starts, he starts like, he holds it out, but it doesn't stop Daryl from like coming towards him. And so they end up having like a bit of a scuffle and then they end up tripping, losing their balance, and the seat, like the the frame is. I'm trying to think of how to describe it best. Like it's just a series of of scene cuts, not scene cuts. It's a it's a series of frame cuts, um, and so you see you see them fall. You hear and you see the sword piercing through skin but you don't know whose it is and then you also get a a shot of Josh on the ground Daryl above him you see Josh's reaction you only see half of Daryl's face and then you see the reactions of Zach and Charlie watching it all take place and so you don't know who just got whose throat just got slit open um and then they start freaking out so eventually josh pushes daryl off of him and is like get it out somebody take it out and charlie's like why would you do that (laughs) no because why would you josh and zach's like i'm gonna take it out but charlie's like don't take it out like that's just gonna make it worse 
Quishy doesn't listen to him. But, like, they're all talking over each other. Plus, there's, there's like, an intense type of beating in the background. Um, and so then when Zack does pull the sword from Daryl's throat, the everything just stops. Like, all of the sounds just stop, and it's replaced with this very intense ringing. And you, you see their their facial expressions as it happens you don't actually like and the way that the the camera is set up you see zach go to pull it out but when he actually goes through the motion of it the camera cuts to a wide shot of them so you just see like the entire the entire setup of the scene right and then it just cuts to all of their reactions and it's this piercing ringing and it's such an intense moment y'all like i'm trying my best to describe it to you but you just have like you have to watch it because when i tell you i was glued like i was floored i was glued i my eyes were wide open i was like because it was intense and it, it's, it gets even more intense, like, as it happens. Because somehow, so, you know, we're seeing their reactions. And then we just hear somebody yell, Daryl! And Daryl's running away! And I don't get how Daryl's running away. Like, I mean, I, I, I get it from a, you're getting attacked, so you're running away so that you don't get attacked further. But, like, how are you still alive? Or how are you not losing, I mean, adrenaline, I guess. But that boy was running real fast. Like, he was a runner. He was a track star. So he's running through the woods. Zach and Josh go running after him. Charlie stays back because Charlie's just kind of traumatized from the moment, as he should be. And eventually, like, as they're running through the woods, there's this very intense beating, like, staticky beating, like, like, sound production going on in the background. And then all of a sudden, when when Zach and Josh finally come up on Daryl, he's fallen into just a pit of leaves, and he's not moving. And so they go to check if he's still alive, which why would you touch him? If Because you're going to get your fingerprints on him. But all right. So they go to check his, his pulse, um, and Zach ends up throwing up. He's like, you're going to have to do it. I can't. Um, he throws up and then he just lays on his back and he stares up at the sky and you see, you know, like the, the winter trees leafless, um, they're, they're kind of like the silhouettes of them, I guess. They're just like, they're just black sticks in the sky (laughs) and a, and a gray sky. Um, and so then you hear Charlie saying guys. And so they, they look at Charlie and Charlie's like, I think we should hide this too. And he's holding up the sword. So they end up throwing the sword in like this type of ravine or um, like it's like a, I don't know, just a hole in the ground. I don't even know what to expl- how to explain it, but it goes pretty deep down and they throw it in there, right? And they promise not to never go back to that scene. And then they plan out how they're going to kind of get rid of everything else that puts them on the scene. And Zach offers to get rid of Daryl's bike. Josh is going to take the, the bag from the samurai sword and hide it. Or maybe it was, I don't know. I think, it, I think it was like the bag that held the sword. And Charlie just rides off on his bike. Like he doesn't, he's hit very hands off. And so moving on from there, Zach ends up um, hurting his hand because he's punching a wall, you know type of masculine thing to do when you're upset he punches a stone wall when he's trying to hide daryl's bike when he gets home allison's at his house and now what would you do in that moment if you just walk into your house and your crush is there like your mom just let your crush hang out in your kitchen until you got home and now add on to the onto the fact that you just helped cover up a murder and your hands broken there's a lot going on and so in this scene, it's interesting because all throughout the movie this far, all he's talking about is how much he likes Allison, how, you know, how he sees her differently and everything like that. 
And so Allison's trying to make the move on him in his room. And he comes so close to kissing her. And then he turns away. Um, because he's just very overwhelmed with a lot of different emotions. And he's just not there mentally. Also, his hand's broken. And so she ends up leaving. I think she invites him to her birthday party, though. Um, but she ends up leaving. And then they take him. They, uh, his mom takes him to the hospital. When he's laying in bed that night, we get the first dream sequence of the movie. And there's a total of three dream sequences, I believe. This is the first one. And it's really just a double exposure shot of um, the trees that he was looking up at when he was laying in the forest. And it's him sleeping. And it's just, it's a, it's a change up of cinematography, I'd say. Um, and so it was really cool to see. But it also made me think, you know, when you have a survivor or a victim, not calling him a survivor in any way, but when you have a survivor or a victim of a traumatic experience, I think more times than not, they can recall keeping their attention or keeping their focus on one specific thing throughout it um and say you know they'll they'll be like oh yeah this was happening to me but I just remember like there was a piece of lint in the corner on the floor and my my eyes were just trained on it the entire time because it helped me take my mind off of it or whatever the case may be and so that's what I was thinking about when this dream sequence was going on but, you know, I'm, we'll, we'll leave that up to the audience. So then he goes to school and Josh is not in school. And it, so it, ra- it waves red flags in his mind. And he goes to see Charlie at the middle school because Charlie is in middle school. And so he's like, oh, we need to talk. And he's like, we need to get our story straight. We need to talk about yesterday. And Charlie's like, I, what, I don't remember what I did last Tuesday, so why would I remember what I did this Tuesday? He was like, I probably went home, ate a snack after school, did homework, took a nap. And, and Zach's like, okay, that's good. And Charlie's like, yeah, but why are you coming to a middle school to talk to some kid that you don't know? Get, get your story straight, sir. And Zach's like, okay, no, <laughs> you're right. And Charlie's like, I don't know you all leave me alone so then Zach tries to go to Josh's house to talk to Josh and Josh is avoid like Josh is not answering he's avoiding him so then Zach goes home and he we see that he's that he is having trouble sleeping and so and I mean I guess this was also taking place the first night as well but we see it more even now because he tries to take NyQuil um, he's he's in his basement and he's watching Bill Clinton on the TV. Another another like clue in terms of the setting and the time um, of of this story. But it's like it you you have to kind of know the eras. You you know what I'm saying? Like you kind of have to clue into those types of details. Um, but what's interesting is that Bill Clinton is giving a speech in terms of like values, morals, and your identity. And I can't recite it word for word. I can't even give you a little bit of it because I don't want to, I don't want to misspeak it. Um, but it's very reflective of what's going on in the story this far. And so once Zach takes the NyQuil, he falls asleep. And this is the second dream sequence that he has. And in this dream sequence, he wakes up in his bed and he goes to shut off his alarm clock or grab his, um, grab his CD player, one of the two, but he notices the arm that he, that he reaches out with is the arm that should have the cast on it and it doesn't have the cast on it. And so then he looks outside and it's very foggy outside, but it's like, it's light outside. So he, he calls out and he's like, mom, what time is it? But he says it three times, and he says it the exact same way every single time. And so it kind of, like, the the lighting of the scene, and it's a little, it's grayish blue, and the way that he 
you know, speaks and calls out to his mom. And then as he goes to try to find his mom, he's walking in slow motion and it's a very dark hallway. So it, it's very eerie, just the way that this dream sequence is set up. And it's also how you know that it's a dream because of how he's walking. Um, and once he gets to the living room, the front, like the, the main window in the living room is glassless. Like it doesn't have any glass. So it's just a bunch of fog seeping into this room. In the background, you have a t- like a static TV and then you have a Christmas tree. And it's such an un- like an uncomfortable kind of grim tone that this that this scene has. And that's why I I like it's another reason why I like the setting because um or I mean, yeah, the setting and the time because Christmas is something that you consider to be like a happy time or like a cheerful time. Um you know, you spend with family or loved ones or your significant other and friends. And so for a story that revolves around so much violence and guilt and, I mean, gore, (laughs) it's just, it's a heavy contrast, you know? And so in this dream sequence, when when Zach turns around, he sees that Daryl is in his hallway and he's like, Daryl, what are you doing here? And Daryl doesn't say anything. He just continues to look at him. But it's, you know, he has the gash on his neck and he's he's covered in blood. And the only thing that Daryl does is just look up. And it guides Zach to look up as well. And when he does, there's this black hole in his wall. It's kind of like a black swirling pool. Um, it almost looks like a like a portal of some kind. And it's just swirling. And um, when he looks up to it, he like visually looks to be like he's about to pass out. And then the frame cuts to him on the ground, kind of in the position that Daryl was in. He's covered in blood. He can't speak. He's calling out for help. And when the scene cuts to a wider shot we see Daryl is sitting on Zach and I feel like it's a little representative of the guilt that Zach might be feeling at this point um and that it's literally weighing on him and so once the dream sequence is over it cuts to Zach sleeping in his basement you get a brief just like like a one second shot of Daryl laying on Zach in his basement before Zach wakes up and he like screams in agony because like his stomach just feels terrible. And so then he he wakes up, his mom wakes him up and or his mom wakes up, helps him with his stomach and um then they go back to bed and when he wakes up the next day, he goes to school, he falls asleep in class. And we see another dream sequence. (laughs) And in this dream sequence, Allison is in it. And uh, it's... So if you remember before, he said he doesn't see Allison in quote-unquote that way because he likes Allison. He knows Allison. Allison's not like that. Whatever. And so in this dream specifically, it's a very erotic dream of Allison where the two of them are having sex in the exact same spot that Daryl died in while Josh watches them and the sword just hangs above them. It's honestly a piece of art, I have to say. Um, and then when he wakes up, he's in class and the teacher's like, oh, can you, can you please pay attention? Josh is still not at school. So after school gets out, he goes to Josh's house. His mom answers the door. This is the first time we're seeing Josh's mom. And so, you know, she escorts him to Josh's room. And um, Zach and Josh sit down and they have a conversation. And this is the first time that we're seeing them talk um, since the incident. And you can see how both of them are dealing with the aftermath differently Zach when he's talking about it when he's trying to gauge Josh's 
emotions and attention and thoughts he's just very anxious his knees bouncing he's like picking at his jeans um he's picking at his nails and josh is just paying attention to the video game on the screen and when zach is asking him questions and like you know trying to to get answers out of him josh is just like yeah whatever you whatever you think is right zach whatever you want um sure like we'll just go with your plan right but the but the fact of the matter is that they wouldn't be in this mess if Josh hadn't have done what he did. So Zach is sitting here trying to help him, and Josh is just like having this this type of attitude, and Zach gets Zach ends up getting very frustrated with him. But something alleviates the tension, and then they start talking about Allison's party, and Zach's like, "I think we should go because like we need to start acting normal. That means you should start going to school." Um, and Josh is like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I might, I just feel like it's not really like my scene. I'm, I'm, I'm just not feeling up for it, whatever. And so then the next day, or maybe it's, a, it's, maybe it's two days later. I don't know. But the next scene is Zach in school and he hears a rumor that Josh cursed out a teacher and um, I'm not going to say the curse word because it's a word that a lot of people do not appreciate. But it starts with a C and rhymes with bunt. And so the rumor is like, oh, yeah, he's in the principal's office right now. And Zach darts out of the library. He runs to the principal's office for what I don't know. Like, I don't really know what he's aiming to achieve. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I think he's a little worried that... Zach might spill and say something in terms of what happened, but he doesn't get the chance to even talk to Josh because Josh is already in the principal's office. So the scene cuts to Allison's party. Zach shows up, but he's not dressed for the occasion. He's wearing this black hood and like this black hoodie, but the hood is on him. He's like covering his face with the hood. He is not, he's just not a very welcoming person at this party. And um, I think he's also trying to scope out to see if Josh is there as well. Because there's someone who looks like Josh from behind, but then when they turn around, it's not him. So then uh, Zach goes to find Allison. She's in the garage on the porch. And when when he finds her, he also finds Josh. And Josh is sitting next to that blue-haired kid that he was talking all that crap about in the very beginning. And they were all smoking, having a good time, whatever. And Allison's like, oh, I'm so glad that you came. Um, It's great to see you. Like, come here, sit down. And Josh kind of peeps how Allison and Zach are, like, acting towards each other. And then Josh is like, oh, Allison, I got you a little present. And she's like, oh, you didn't have to. And the blue-haired kid is like, yeah, you really didn't. Nobody else did. Because, stop. You didn't have to put him on blast like that. Um, but Josh gives the present to Allison. Allison opens it. And it's his brother's weed. It's all of it. And Zach looks at it and is like, like you can see that he's... He's thinking what we're thinking in terms of like, hello, you didn't let Daryl have it. You threw that big old fit when Daryl had it, when Daryl took it from you. Daryl's dead because of it. All because all, all for you to give it to Allison, right? And so now it's posing it's posing questions. Like everyone's like, oh, how'd you even get that? Like, how'd you score it? Um, can you get me some? Whatever, whatever. And that blue-haired kid, the blue-haired kid is like, oh, like, where'd you get it? And Josh is like, oh, I know a guy. And the blue-haired kid's like, oh, can you hook me up? And Josh is like, yeah, we can talk tomorrow at this place, right? And it seems like a normal conversation. It's, you know, it just seems like a, like a normal back and forth. Obviously, we know he doesn't know a guy. Where is he planning to get more from? Who knows? Who knows? That's not for us to worry about. That's for Josh to worry about. So this sets Zach off. And Zach's like, yeah, I'm not feeling too well. I'm just going to go. And he storms out. Allison follows him out. And... She, you know, tries to make a move on him again, and she tries to kiss him, and Zach turns away. And this is where I was fuming. Like, I mean, I I get that it, it it's part of the story. It's part of, of Zach's character at the moment. 
But I just, I want my boy Zach to win so bad and he's blocking his blessings, right? You have your crush right here. She's ready to kiss you. She's ready to give give it all to you. And you're, you just, you got way too much going on in your brain to even think about it, to even want it. And maybe it has to do with that little dream sequence he had too, because he used to not see her that way. But now has his view changed? He's he's seeing her in a in a sexual way, so does that change his desire for her? You know? Hmm. So um after the party, the the blue-haired kid um is found dead. Well he he's a he's initially missing or something. Um and so no, okay. So after the party there are a lot of rumors going around that Daryl's missing, he might be dead, and then the blue-haired kid it turns up to be missing as well. And or no, I think they actually they they find him, they find his body and think that he committed suicide off of the bridge. And Zach is like, mm, I really don't feel like that's true because him and Josh were just talking about meeting at that exact bridge. And so it kind of sends Zach on a on a spiral of paranoia, thinking that his best friend is going on a killing spree. And so as he's trying to figure out, you know, what Josh is thinking, what's going through his mind, he he really just wants to talk his friend out of what's good. Like, he really wants to talk Josh out of what he's thinking, out of what he's planning to do, because... This whole time, if you if you really think about it, this whole time, Zach could have really just turned Josh in, but he didn't because, I mean, would you want to see your best friend go down for something that was really just an accident? So yeah, I think that at this point, Zach is feeling even more guilt than originally because now he's seeing the repercussions of him not speaking up when he needed to. But he's still prolonging all of this by trying to have like this heart to heart conversation with Josh instead of just turning him in. And so this results in um, Josh. Josh plans to hang out with Allison and Megan, uh, which is Allison's friend at Megan's house because Josh has weed. And this is this is like how he lures them in. Like he's like, oh, I can smoke you out, bro. And they're like, okay. And so they go over to Megan's house, they're hanging out, and he's like, oh, I I have something cool, you want to see it? And he pulls out the sword. And um, so while all of this is going on, simultaneously we have Zach trying to find where Josh is. So then he learns Josh is with Allison and Megan. So then he goes to Allison's house. He learns they're not there. He's like, where are they? And Allison's brother tells him that they're at Megan's house. And so he tries to find Megan's house. So while all of this is happening, then you you have what's going on over at Megan's house. And it's just continuing to escalate. And you wonder, okay, is he going to make it in time? And so the scene's really flip-flopping back and forth. And you're wondering if, like, when is it going to stop? Because in movies... You know when it is that flip that flip flop between between scenes and locations, so it really does have you on the edge of your seat, and it it stops just in time. So by the time that Zach gets there, we're like, is he too late? So he goes in, and it's really easy for him to get in, and then he find he finds Megan's room. And the door's closed or locked or whatever. So when he finally gets into the room, he sees that Megan is dead on her bed. But Allison is, like, tied up with Christmas lights. And I I thought that she was half naked. But I could be wrong. Um, but then, then it starts out like this brawl between Zach and Josh. I mean, well, not exactly a brawl just yet. It's kind of like a game of cat and mouse where Zach's trying to find Josh and Josh is hiding. Um, But once they do end up coming face to face, Zach obviously doesn't want to hurt Josh. 
But Josh is the complete opposite. Josh is so consumed with not wanting to get in trouble for what he's done that he's willing to kill his own best friend. And we see that when he swings the sword and it hits Zach on his head. And so it slices his head open and you just have blood running down Zach's face. And Zach is just like, why are you doing this? Like, I've tried so hard to help you and to make sure that it didn't get this far. And all I've ever done was try to, like, to be your friend, be your best friend. And I'd never wanted any of this to happen. And I don't get, like, how, like, how are you this person? And Josh just kind of shows no remorse. Like, he shows that he doesn't, he doesn't really care and you know so zach tries to make a break for it out of the out of the house and he takes he takes a good slice to the back a good slice to the arm um i think he's stabbed in like his rib cage maybe he has a lot of wounds and so it's, it's just pouring outside they're just a bloody mess on the front lawn fighting until somebody pulls up in a truck and they help to to get Josh off of off of Zach, and then Josh is arrested. Zach's injuries are tended to. Megan is declared dead, and Allison is taken to the hospital as well. And so then uh, the scene cuts to Allison in school. Um, she has she like she's trying to put her hair up in class, but then she, and so it shows like a scar from what had happened and this kid behind her who it seems like he's having similar feelings that Zach had um he sees it and then she kind of like has second thoughts and she leaves her hair down instead and the movie ends we will get into what I liked and what I didn't like about this movie now the overall message in terms of this story is that when you're a teenager and you're coming of age, you've just exited middle school, you're coming into high school, it's almost bound to drive a wedge between you and your childhood friends because you fall into different hobbies, uh, you fall into different routines and personalities, and you find different people, different friend groups. Um, and, it, and it's natural, right? But this story breeds maturity from tragedy and guilt and violence instead. And so it kind of, throughout the story, we see this friendship of Zach and Josh. And they really don't even seem to be on the same page. They seem to be right in between the stage of, you know, being best friends forever and kind of drifting apart because just like they don't they don't disagree on a lot but between the yearbook scene and they're talking about all the women and or girls and Zach just kind of disagrees with Josh and so they just have different outlooks on that and then you know Josh is just very violent with his words, whereas Zach is like, like in terms of talking about Daryl, Josh is very violent, or not violent, but just very strong with his choice of words and talking about how he doesn't like Daryl. And Zach is just like, well, I mean, we've just known him since since elementary school and he was cool then and just, you know, so so he has this empathy about him, right? But Josh just lacks that. And this could be something that is just, you know, developing over time, right? And Zach might just might just now be noticing it. And so it's kind of creating a narrative of coming of age, but under different circumstances. And I really like and you know, I I've I kind of said it throughout the, you know, the talking of the synopsis, but I like how, like, this movie would not have been what it was if it was set in the 2000s or the 2010s. Because technology, the advancement of technology would have changed the narrative. Um, Especially, like, at the very last scene. 
Zach is running all around trying to find Josh, trying to find Allison. But of course, he has to use he has to use landlines to make phone calls and to to find out information instead of how like today you could easily look on social media. You could look on if your friend's sharing their location. Um, and it would be like it wouldn't be so much of a runaround and so like anxiety inducing. And so the the time and the place that this movie is set in, I think, works so well with that and it being a small town. Um, so, you know, everybody knows everybody and you've grown up with all these people. You've known them since you were children, whatever. Um, and so I really do. I I love that it's set in the 90s. I love that it's set in a small town because it only adds to that kind of grunginess of the of the story itself and of the visuals that are being created too. Like the visuals in this movie in the beginning I said, you know, it's one of those things that I just kind of overlooked, but it is it's not rep I don't even want to say it's not represented right because it's it's not even in that case. Um, but more of anything, it's just it's a hidden gem, I'll say, because you have to watch it um, and you have to listen to it in order to really in order to really appreciate what's going on in the story. And it's not a complicated, it's not a complicated visual story. It's not. And I think that's another thing that I like about it. You know, at the end, I was expecting there to be some type of twist. I was expecting it's not, it's not Josh who's the killer. It's, you know, somebody else or, you know, whatever. I was expecting Josh's brother to come back into the story or something because it was just so linear that it was unbelievable. <laughs> but I'm just so used to those types of complex stories because I think that as as viewers, we do have like we have short attention spans. And so in order for us to sit down, watch a movie and be completely encapsulated into the movie, there has to be stuff that catches off us off guard and there has to be stuff that you know keeps us on the edge of our seats and so with this story being exactly I mean you're given what you think you're being given you read the synopsis the movie is exactly that there's been movies that I've rated on this podcast um before that you know I went into the movie expecting one thing and I got completely different but this movie I got exactly what I came for and even more because of the visuals and the sound production. And I think I think that the characters were very strong in this mo- in this movie. Um Josh is a very or yeah, I mean Josh was a very dynamic character I think because you see this slight shift in him as if like he's unlocked a part of him that has just been kind of like brewing. You know, and that's a weird, that's a very weird way to phrase it. Um, but I, I say it for the fact that in the beginning, he just seems like a, a over hormonal teenage boy who's obsessed with sex, you know? Um, and then after the thing with Daryl, He's reacting to it differently, yes. And you think, oh, it's just, you know, it's just the trauma. Like, everyone deals with trauma differently. But he's dealing with it differently because of... Because of this irregularity that he is faced with. Um, I'm I'm not going to sit here and diagnose him with, you know, any sort of mental disorder or, um, you know whatever the case may be. I'm not going to sit here and say that, but I think that there are several signs um that if you watch, you know, true crime shows or whatever and they talk about on early like what is this? early onset signs of, you know, a murderer, right? Um he was showing a little bit of them. Like when you look at uh Jeffrey Dahmer or um John Wayne Gacy and how they exhibited signs 
of being deranged when they were younger. And so the the way that Josh was so obsessed with sex, only saw women for sexual objects, um, and, you know, the way he chose violence every single time. Um, and I think that... I think that had this incident not happened at the time that it did for them, more signs would have popped up eventually. Um, and I, I do wonder how much of his brother being gone might influence his behavior. It, it We don't really know where his brother is. You know, some people believe that his brother might be dead. And so one of the things that I don't like about the movie is just how little we see Josh's mom. We see Zach's mom all the time. We see their relationship. And I think it helps to be able to contrast or um, I think it helps to be able to compare Zach and his mom to Josh and his mom just just by looking at how often we see Zach's mom versus Josh's mom. But I think if there if there was even just one more scene with Josh's mom and seeing them interact besides the one that we were already given, then it would help us to be able to piece together a little bit more what's, what is Josh's home life like. Um, how is Josh's mom dealing with his brother being gone? We don't know whether he's dead. We don't know whether he's just um, really off in the service. Maybe he's missing, whatever the, you know. There's all kinds of reasons why it's a big mystery as to where he is. Because apparently a lot of people want to know. So I just really wish that we were able to see just even a bit of a more glimpse into Josh's home life. But I can see why we don't. And that's completely fine. I think that, you know, I, I said I was talking about the characters and Zach, though I really wanted him to win with Allison, I th- it, we, they would be doing us a disservice if they gave us what they what we wanted in this movie. Right. Obviously, we want Zach to get the girl, but this is not a a dramatic romantic coming of age story no this is full of tragedy and grief and sadness and grunge and that's what we were given and so for Zach to not end up with Allison at any point in the story it was served well what can I say but the way that Zach demonstrates his trauma I really did like I felt like it was very um it was very three-dimensional um but he didn't like there there was also no I mean I can't even say that he wasn't a dynamic character because he did have a change he did shift I just we didn't see him change in in the end the last time we see Zach is when he's outside of Megan's house and the story and the crazy way the crazy thing about it is that while Zach seems to be the main character of the story the story starts with Allison and ends with Allison Ooh, I'm not going to throw out any theories here, but that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, The last thing that I'll talk about is just the way that they captured young adolescents because they really had it spot on Um, from the way that the teenage boys talked. Daryl threw out the F word in every single sentence about twice, at least twice, as if he just learned the word. And I know that when I first started cursing, I threw it in every single sentence I could around my friends. I I acted like I just learned how to speak English yesterday and I was just using all the words. Um so so between that and just the way that rumors spread in in school and um it was just it was all very realistic. And I think that the actors did such a good job in terms of like being being awkward and being like socially like learning how to navigate social situations um but like not getting it completely right <laughs> um and yeah so this move this movie was honestly really good, and i I want to thank Paul. Um, for recommending it because 
I did like it. And if you had not recommended it, I would not have ever probably watched it. Um, And so I just want to inspire everybody, be more like Paul. Tell me what you want me to watch next because I want to experience different movies, movies that I wouldn't watch on a regular basis. Y'all know I love a good thriller and I will stick to my thrillers and my horror movies all day, every day, until somebody tells me to watch something different. I think I rated this movie a four out of five on Letterboxd. Of course, you can fact check that if you follow me on Letterboxd, or if you don't, you can look it up and then follow me. Um, Besides Letterboxd, you can catch me on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, And on there, you can recommend me your favorite movies or even shows um, for me to watch next. I hope to catch you next episode. Thank you for listening.